0: What I've started doing is going back and retracing my experience of, of Jungian psychology and how it, how it affected my life kind of chronologically. Welcome
1: to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm your host, Kim O'Hara, a book coach with the story inside, and I am interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. So what do you do if you're in one successful career and another career comes calling for you? And it's sort of intrinsic to what you were doing before, but it's very different. And especially when it comes to involving the Herculean body of work of Carl Jung. Today, we're talking to Aiden Moore, who's been a successful bassist. He's toured with The Hamilton Show and is also performed with Justin Timberlake and Audra Day. And today we're talking to him about this new calling, which is uncovering and exploring the journey through feelings of failure and loneliness through a Jungian point of view. It's really good to have you here, Aiden.
0: Hey, thank you, Kim. That's a wonderful intro and it's a pleasure to be here.
1: What was that first moment you knew or identified that you weren't living in your highest quality of life?
0: Mm, you know, it's a good question. I'm not sure if it was a moment. It was sort of a pervading sense that I had at that time that um, I essentially had the feeling that I should be happier than I was, I think. And um, particularly when I was at the height of my career as a musician, sort of the feedback I was getting was that, that I should be happy, that from the outside I looked quote-unquote successful or from the outside I looked quote-unquote happy or should be happy. And there was just a rub, you know, There it, inside it didn't feel that way. And so there was sort of just a pervading sense of that. Um, but it took me kind of until my late 20s, early 30s to come to the point of saying, okay, I have to do something about this. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a bit of a turning point for me.
1: Mhm. And so those those moments that you were realizing that what were some of the mindsets you had to use or some of the barriers you had to overcome to finally make that leap to get out of that per- that career and start following this path.
0: Well, you know, from the Jungian framework it's interesting because in some ways it kind of steps out of the sort of coaching modality that I have become familiar with as a a coach now and as as an advisor now, in the sense that from the Jungian framework, there's a part of us that sort of is our larger self, um, Hmm. that has sort of a a larger viewpoint and a larger uh, voice than our sort of ego voice, our, our conscious voice. And so for that reason, it's very interesting, it's not always about willing, and there's, all, there's limitations to w- what the ego can feasibly accomplish at any given moment when it's out of touch with that larger, uh, you know, in Jungian psychology, what we would call the self, the total personality, which includes both consciousness and unconsciousness. Mm. So the reason I say that is because part of my problem was that my conscious self was so out of alignment with, with who I really am. And at the time, I didn't have that conception. I just knew that something felt off. But when the mindset changed, it wasn't necessarily a conscious choice. In other words, I'm going to use my ego. I'm going to use my consciousness to fix this problem. The Jungian approach is not that. Although that's a very common sort of coaching approach, the Jungian thing is okay. I have uh, my my task here is to pay attention to the voice that's bigger than me. Quote, you know, quote unquote. And in my case, that meant going into Jungian analysis, that meant paying attention to dreams, and trying to have a life that was more in alignment with the sort of total personality, again, consciousness and unconsciousness. And over time, that shift happened. That's the mindset shift.
1: That makes a lot of sense. When was it young? Like you're, you're, you're out, you're playing music or you're coaching other musicians and you're doing it through, you know, you're doing the coaching world. How did you come across Carl Jung's works? Was it just like, was there randomness involved or was it, were you, were you, did you, is it something you sought?
0: Yeah. I would lean more into the randomness. It was so funny. I mean, I had come across his name in a couple of, um, you know, other people's books, essentially. I I'd, I'd had, he- you know, heard of him, but it wasn't around me. I wasn't around people that talked about it. My family wasn't talking about it. Um, and, you know, this is where it's tricky again, you know, from a Jungian framework, there's, always, it's, it's like um, delineating between chance and meaning. So you could say superficially it was total chance. Mm. Um, statistically, scientifically, it was just sort of um, uh, random. But from a Jungian framework, it's very meaningful to me um, that I encountered it because it really changed my whole trajectory and became a foundational aspect of my thinking. But essentially, I had seen his name in a couple of different books, is the short version. And then I felt at the time when things were not uh, going so well, when I was I was working on a Broadway show called Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which was very interesting because the music was written by Bono and the Edge, who you know, were people as an adolescent I grew up really looking up to. They wrote the music, and so um, my former band worked with them, Bono and the Edge, to, um, to work on the music, and um, it was this whole crazy time in my life. And That was one of those moments where I thought I should be very happy. This is very exciting,
1: right? You're, you're you've reached. You're with your. You're working with your childhood dream. This is the path, and that's the thing. It's like what happens if our childhood dreams and and that's something I would love to segue to because mm-hmm. I have this quote from Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. What did you do as a child that made the hours pass like minutes? Herein lies the key to your earthly pursuits, and mm-hmm. that really strikes home for me because. You know, I went on a shamanic journey last year and was told that I had my original identity taken away at a very young age. And -hmm. I've been spending most of my life getting comfortable and being okay with being in the spotlight and being on this new journey. When I was a child, all I wanted to do was interview people and talk in a microphone all the time. But I, I also like to watch ants, but I can't really figure out how that fits into the whole thing, but you know, it, it's like, so, so what do you think about that quote in terms of going back? Like, if you think about you as a child, you were kind of doing what you wanted to do to some degree, right?
0: I love that quote. And, and, and also the way you tied it into your, your own experience, because ultimately a lot of this stuff can get a little bit heady and I'm doing a lot of research now. Where it becomes very voluminous and heady, but the thing is, it's really about practicality, and it's really about lived life. So I love that you can tie that into your own experience. I think um, from from the Jungian framework, you know, you call that loss of soul. That's sort of the mythopoetic way of putting it: the loss of soul. You know, you lose a part of yourself in childhood, or you don't connect with it, or whatever the case may be, and it gets left behind you know, and so, Mm. but life continues, of course. And I'm using that term actually quite intentionally because in some cultures, tribal cultures and such, it's really a thing. Loss of soul is an experience and they have a name for it. We don't really, I mean, in psychology, we have false self versus true self and, you know, all kinds of different, you know, categories of psychiatric problems. But um, in other cultures, there is this idea of the loss of soul and, um, so I did have that experience. I remember I kind of awoke to that as a teenager and interestingly young had the same experience too, and had to go back to his childhood to, to, um, regain some of that. In fact, for any of your listeners, if they want to have a, a fun corollary to this idea, there's this film on Netflix called, um, my octopus teacher. Have you I seen love
1: this? that film? Love that Isn't film. That
0: wonderful. So beautiful he's a great example of that, right? Because he was sort of reached a point where he was kind of depressed and he was very successful in his career, but he hit a a ceiling. And so what did he do? He went back to his childhood loves, you know, being in the ocean, being, being, um, with the ocean. And, you know, they show the clips of his childhood home that was right by the water. And, um, and so that's what he did. He went back to a childhood, um, part of himself and, and, and reconnected to it. And it changed him. Right. So there's something to be said about that.
1: And came across this other soul that is this unlikely soul, which was this little, little octopus. Yeah. It was, it was so beautiful. So Mm -hmm. do you feel that people have blocked their, I want to go back to failure and loneliness for a second. Like do you think that the failure and loneliness is an indicator? I mean we're all we all have to walk through loneliness, right? Like it's a natural state of being. Um but do you think that there's levels of that that are indicators that they're blocking their highest quality of life by not being in their full soul's capacity? Is that a Jungian perspective or is that an Aiden Moore perspective? You know, motivated by Jung, because because eventually you're you're shaping your own you, right? Mm-hmm. You're just mm-hmm. you're just inspired by Jung, right? Like you're not young, so what is your point of view?
0: Funnily about that, Jung Jung at one point said, um, "Thank God I'm young and not a Jungian."
1: Uh, <laughs> so are you? A, are you a Jungian?
0: I guess I'm an Adenian, if by that sense. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't sound so cool, <laughs> but I'm cool with that. I could be an Adenian.
1: Just imagine how good it would feel to go from someday to author. Well, I'm gonna help you find out in my free live training from someday to author, three keys to unlock your dream book in under eight weeks head over to a storyinside.com backslash join me as I train live and put little dashes in between the join me as I train live it's one hour that will get you unstuck and finally set on your road to authorship you can also sign up on my Instagram at a inside with the link in the
0: bio and
1: now back to
0: our amazing guest at the end of the day, whatever ideologies we borrow from and and take on as our own there is in my point of view there is an important shift which is when it really does become yours when it really does become yours not a borrowed train of thought not a faithful train of thought and i realize that can be a little bit challenging but i i mean that in the sense of rather than knowledge it's um some sort of borrowed um sense of reality Mm -hmm. and that's a very different experience than saying um actually, this is what I really think, even if I first heard it from someone else, or even if I first um, got it from a faith practice, there comes a point where you say, but this is really what I feel, or this is really what I think, and that's sort of a different experience. So from the Jungian thing, I think a lot of it has become actually synonymous, like Jungian and Adenian have become synonymous in a lot of areas.
1: <laughs> and And in terms of the loneliness, like from your point of view, loneliness or failure, do you think those are indicators of a lost soul from your point of view, having studied young?
0: Yeah, loneliness, I would say, um, and failure, that's hard. I think loneliness can happen across the board. So from my point of view, and this is my point of view, as as differentiated from young, um, it's going to happen whether you're on track or not. Because even to be one's self is such a uh, unique experience. I I have learned as I've gotten more and more connected to my who I really am and what I really think. There's a there is a loneliness about it in the sense of um, you become a unique being. I mean, I could go into a little bit of a thing here, and I'm trying to avoid it. It's like I think they can be indicators. I think probably more failure than loneliness. I'll say that. So feelings of failure, because then you have a doorway into what your definition of success and failure are and what your framework of, of success and failure are and how you're currently mm-hmm. living out of that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's a very good indicator.
1: Yeah. And, and, and just, to, just to spitball off of that, um, I, I was very motivated in my thought with what you just said is that I feel lonely. And I just realized this right now. So this is like in the moment epiphany. Mm-hmm. I feel lonely when I'm upgrading my soul mm-hmm. because my soul's never been in this place before. So if I don't use a relationship or alcohol or people, ple- all the things we could do, and I just am in the upgrade, I'm kind of lonely. I'm like, it's just me. You know, maybe it's me and like God or whatever, but it's just basically me. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I feel so much better. Cause then I'm gonna have those hapless days that I'm just like that's not bothering me. I'm not lonely. Well, I'm not upgrading on that particular day. I'm just me, the new me, or maybe I've fallen back on the old me. And so this is so helpful to people. I know we talk about writing books on this show, and I know you're 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 gonna endeavor to put this massive tomb of material, of young material together. And so I was curious, how are you going to approach this? Are you going to pick a couple different categories like a loneliness and failure to write your book about? Or what's your current thinking on that?
0: Well, currently, I'm in the process of thinking about it. But um, what I've started doing is going back and retracing my experience of of Jungian psychology and how it it affected my life kind of chronologically, like the way Mm -hmm. you just had an experience and where, you know, had this thing, oh, this is really a helpful thing and I can apply this to my life. I sort of have a series of those moments if I go back. So I'm thinking it would be helpful to just chronologically almost write about them. You know, for example, initially, his idea on um, psychological types, you know, that I had a massive epiphany with that. In the realization of, oh, we all have these different ways of looking at things and these different ways of reaching decisions, even though we're in the same world, so to speak, we're mm-hmm. experiencing it quite differently. That was like an ep- so there's one. But I have a series of these kinds of epiphanies, so I'm thinking of going back and um, just kind of starting one at a time, because it is such a tomb of work, and it's a little overwhelming to think of how to um, encapsulate the whole thing. So I'm in the middle of trying to figure that out actually.
1: Well, I think it's going to be an important book because you're going to make what could feel archaic to people. And I know that you aren't necessarily wanting to go into the, although you have mentioned being in academia, it's not going to be like this academic, you know, book of, of reference points to young. I mean, here's what I see. You know, I, I have bigger visions for people, And I look at someone like a Pema Chodron or I look at someone like Joe Dispenza or something like that, you know, do you think that you could go out in the world and be like a powerful voice and a leader? I mean, you have performer in you. It's interesting. I watch people that are performers and they get a great idea of what they want to do and they put the performer away and then they cultivate the great idea. And then they realize that they can go out and perform the great idea, but on Mm -hmm. a different type of stage. Is that something that's interesting to you?
0: Yeah, that's a f- amazing storyline. I love that. And it it is kind of interesting and I may do it. I don't know the size of what I'm about yet. That's a funny thing to say, but I don't I don't know. It feels like kind of like a boutique. It's like for, because one thing you, I've learned about this this like type of psychology is it's the opposite of one size fits all. It's the opposite. It's like it's a one person to person, it's it's the opposite of the, t- the one size T-shirt. You know, it's like, mm. I think there's many frameworks that are the one size T-shirt. And there may be a select few for whom that framework works. Like let's just say existentialism because that's coming to my mind. There may be some existentialists out in the world and they get the existentialist T-shirt and it fits just right. But for some people it's gonna be too big and for some people it's gonna be too small. And so you say that's not the right T-shirt for them. And um, the Jungian is very much that way. Jungian psychology. So it has a select audience. And so it will be interesting to see what the scope of that is. I think in my case, I never want to lose touch with the sort of who's in front of me. Like even right. in this conversation, although I'm talking about myself and Jung because I love the subject of Jung very much, my peak moments in this conversation are when when you're you have an insight or or um, you know you're you're talking about how it fits into your your thought process. That's very alive for me. Yeah. So, um, and you really can only do that on smaller scales, right? So it'll be interesting to see what sort of scope, uh, my work turns into.
1: I'm very much looking forward to seeing where it goes. And, um, I would love to, you know, talk all day about these teachings and, and, I, you know, this is an area I particularly love. And I know that my listeners love exploring new mindsets and coming up with new ways to live, but we have to end so I want people to know that you are on YouTube, right? You've been doing a little bit of YouTubing on these concepts, is that correct?
0: Yes, I've been doing presentations that wind up on YouTube through a a, a community called 52 Living Ideas and my website um com a i d e n um if you're interested in in the Jungian topic specifically, I'm hosting a Facebook group uh called Jung School. So it's J U N G school on, on Facebook. You can find us there. And that's basically what I have at this, at this moment.
1: I love it. That's a lot. No, that's a lot for people to dip a toe. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. And I look forward to seeing uh, the next levels in which you may go.
0: Thank you so much, Kim. And, and to be continued. TBD.
1: You've been listening to, you should write a book about that. If you enjoyed our episode tell a friend to listen subscribe or review on itunes stitcher castbox spotify and pandora or wherever you listen to podcasts